All right, so the Lord has not led me to another book to exposit yet. So this is pretty out of character for me, but um, I, so pray for that, that as he does lead. But he did lead me to a message um, today that I think is much needed. And I preached about this about probably two years ago, so m- some of you may have heard a similar message, but it's not exactly the same. But the message is on anxiety. And um, I think this is a, this is a, it's a problem in, in, our, in our world, it's a problem in our culture, and even within our church, um, we have we have problems with anxiety, or at least I know I do. I worry, and you worry, about things that we probably shouldn't worry about and we shouldn't be anxious about. So we're going to look at what God has to say about that. But before we do, I just want to bring up some interesting statistics dealing with anxiety. Mental illness in the United States, um, some of it is real, some of it is not, but anxiety, worry, stress, those kind of things, but anxiety, what they actually call anxiety disorders is the most common mental illness in the United States, and they estimate that 40 million adults, um, 18 years and older, are dealing with it. It's also becoming more and more common within our youth. Um, Youth are constantly more anxious about the world they live in. A lot of that has to do with the situations that they are in. But it's a real problem. 18% of the population deals with anxiety disorders or has been diagnosed with that. Um, it costs the United States, or the cost of, of this particular mental health issue is $42 billion a year. That's a third of the entire health cost of the United States. For anxiety. People with anxiety issues are more likely to suffer from depression. Obviously, anxiety leads to depression. And this is, so this is a clear problem in our country. And I know that with our world in the state that it's in right now, I mean, I would be willing to bet that almost everybody in here has had some sort of conversation with somebody about Israel. And if the end times are coming... Or if this is a signal of something, you know, Armageddon or whatever it is that people think anytime something happens in Israel is going to lead to. And I'm not going to get into all that. Maybe another time. I'll need some more study time before we we go there. But I will say this. Regardless of how you think of that, there's turmoil in the world, Right? And what happens in Israel will affect the United States. It's just a guarantee. What's happening in Ukraine is affecting the United States. If the turmoil continues to grow, we will not always experience the peace that we have experienced. And that causes anxiety, right? People look at the news and they get anxious. Um, Also, the economy right now is causing a lot of anxiety, worry, People, So I think this is a timely topic that we're going to take a look at what God, what the Word of God has to say about anxiety. So if you would, turn to Luke chapter 12. 
And while you turn there, I will go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you that we know you, that we have you, and that you're sovereign, and that we have no reason to be anxious. I pray that you would teach us that today through your word. I pray that you would give us comfort and peace and hope in Christ, and that we would ultimately stand solid on him, and that the, our worries and cares of the world would fall away, that you would build in us a confidence in Jesus, that you would build, us, build in us a confidence in his work that has already been done, that you will give us comfort, that you will allow us to rest in your sovereign grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22, he says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body. What you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I will tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek that you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Our main concern as Christians should be the state of our soul in front of a holy God. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. God does not want us living, speaking, and acting with an anxious heart. It's very clear here in Luke. Be not anxious. Do not worry about all of these things. However, we have this problem of anxiety. Unless you, I mean, I know I have a problem with worrying. And I'm guessing that most of you will find yourself doing the same thing. We have a problem in our country of worrying, of anxiety, and it is in the church. So to solve any problem, when you have a problem, to solve it, you have to find the root of the problem, right? We, we are really bad about finding a problem and sticking a Band-Aid on it, right, as they say. We're plugging the dam by sticking a finger in the hole, right? We're not solving the root of the problem. We have to find out what the problem is. We don't want to just cover it up. We don't want to put some sort of band-aid on it, which is a lot of times what happens within the mental health world, okay? Medication for a lot of these mental health problems, they may be helpful for a time, but they're not solving the root of the problem. What is causing this? So we got to find out what is causing us to be anxious. What is the root of the problem? Why do we have anxiety? 
Why do we have fear? Why do we have depression? And the scripture here gives us the answer. If you look at verse 28, it says, If then God so clothes the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, or the fire, how much will he clothe you, O you of little faith? O you of little faith. The root of anxiety is unbelief. This is going to hit a little bit hard, and it does, it does for me. Whenever you start feeling extremely anxious, it's because you're not trusting in God. That's the bottom line. That's the, that's the cold, hard facts. Oh, you of little faith. That's what Jesus said. You're worried about all these things. You of little faith. As unbelief creeps into our heart, it results in anxiety. And you, you may be saying, oh, no, no, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. It's just I don't trust in me. Or I'm not worried about me as much as I am others. But the one who you are claiming to believe in is in full control. He is sovereign. He is in absolute control. Yet many times we act like he's not. That's what this comes down to. Our belief in his sovereign control, his power, wavers. In Isaiah 46.10, he said, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. That's the God we serve. He declares the end from the beginning. He doesn't know the end from the beginning. He doesn't just know what's going to happen. He doesn't just know how this is going to play out in the world, in the, in the stage of the world. He doesn't just know how this is going to play out with Israel, with the United States, with our economy, with our politics. Our politics are going crazy right now. It, it is, I mean, I don't hardly pay a lot of attention. I was talking, when I was at Tulsa, I was talking to a grandparent of a kid that was showing up there and He's a former state representative, and he was he, much more political than I am, was filling me in on what's going on nationwide. I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. I mean, politics was already crazy, but this is even more so. But God doesn't just know how that's going to play out. He declares how it's going to play out. And we would do well to think about that. We would do well to ponder on that and meditate on that, on his power over all of these things. And, you, you know, the anxious heart says, well, I just can't help it. I can't help it. But look at our passage in verse 22. He says, do not be anxious about your life. I think we saw, and I think maybe this is why I preached this a few years ago, was dealing with COVID. We saw an amazing worry of people with their life. Uh, I, I mean, I had friends from high school that were just like in panic mode. They were so scared to go out of the house. They were so scared to not wear a mask. They were so scared of this COVID, like it was going to 
jump on them when they walked out of the house and just kill them. And we know, we know it, there was deaths by COVID. We lost some good brothers, sisters in Christ to the disease. But we also had many, many survive it. Many that shouldn't have. They said, oh, if you're, if you're extremely elderly, it'll kill you. There were people that were 90 years old and over that got it and survived. And there were people who were 30 years old that died. What do we learn from that? God's the one that's in control of life. I, 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 read a, or I heard a testimony one time. Oh, man, I cannot... I cannot think of his name now, but he's a pastor, and his testimony was this. He was a sinner, like all testimonies start out, wicked sinner, living terribly, got extremely depressed, and was just going to kill, take his own life. So his plan to do that was he was just going to go to the airport and take a whole bunch of sleeping pills just, and fall asleep in the waiting area and just never wake up. So that's what he did. He goes to the airport. He takes a bottle full of sleeping pills. He goes to sleep. And you want to see God's sovereignty. While he's asleep, some guy comes up and whacks him in the back of the head and steals his wallet. Blood everywhere. Obviously then everybody sees this guy laying there bleeding. They call 911. The ambulance comes. They're saving his life. What's wrong with this guy? And they find that he has all this medication in his system. They pump his stomach. They do the whole thing. And they save his life. <laughs> it's an amazing testimony. It's really incredible. I'll, I'll think of his name and I'll let you know because you can listen to it. But it's like when you hear of that and you think, this guy, this guy can't even kill himself. Until God says it's okay. God says, no, I'm going to use a burglar with a club to save your life. And not only save your life, through that he heard the gospel and was saved. I mean, it was kind of like when you wake up out of all of that and you think, you're telling me, what happened? There's got to be something bigger than this, right? And so he was saved. But the point of that is... We don't have control. We can't add. He says, who, who by worrying, who by being anxious can add one second to their life? You can't do it. And so it's, it's, it's looking back at God's sovereignty can help us overcome this anxiousness. He says, and, and he says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink. Do not be worried. Jesus clearly teaches us here that we are not to be anxious. And, and notice he doesn't say try not to worry. He says do not worry. And that's a command from our Lord. And that's a command that we should follow. But a lot of people will say, every, he, he, he doesn't say everybody's dealing with this. It's okay. It's all right to be nervous. It's all right to be anxious. He doesn't give us that. He says, don't do it. And so that leaves us with the question then, how can this happen? How can we do it? 
I mean, if you're if you're an anxious type person, especially, how, how do you avoid this? How do you stop this? How do you get out of this pattern? Well, of course, it's with His help. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be able to do this, and it's by focusing our eyes and our hearts on things above and not on things of the earth. We'll get more to this in a little bit. That's but that is how we can overcome this anxiety. We tend to focus way too much on the external, not near enough on the internal, on the soul. Spurgeon said, Thine immortal soul is worth far more than that poor carcass of thine, which will soon become food for worms. That's our, that's our bodies. We worry way too much about what we're going to physically have and not near enough about what we spiritually have. We worry way too much about where we're going to eat physically and not near enough about how we're going to feed our soul, right? So much of our anxiety comes from a focus on the outer beings on our flesh. So I did, I did a quick Google search. Some of the top reasons for anxiety in our culture, in, in, our, in our country, in our world... Uh, number one, money woes. There's a shocker. Huh? And you know, what's amazing is many of the things that we worry about just 20, 30 years ago were considered luxuries. 50 years ago, almost all of them. And we're worried about them. I mean, here's, here's an, oh, and that, that's on the rise also with inflation. Right? Our economy is extremely unstable, I would say. Is it ever really stable? I mean, it was, it, I think it was considered stable before the Depression. You had the Roaring Twenties and then you had the Depression. Right? I mean, the only economy that's stable is God's economy. But inflation is on a rise and there's some uncertainties. And so that's a, that's a big one. Your children's struggles is another really big one. What are they going through? What are they going to go through? They're, they're growing up in this world, this evil world. Like no child's ever grown up in an evil world before. We all did. I know things were different, but we all faced evils. And the same God is still in control. Trying anything new. Some people get extremely anxious over going somewhere for the first time. New things, new worlds, new jobs, new situations. This one surprised me, but not really. The environmental situation of our world. I'm just going to tell you, that is due to an extreme pressure of media. Um, But people are really worried about the environment, like the planet won't be able to sustain and, you know, this and that. The list goes on and on, right? But those are some of the top reasons for anxiety. And many things can trigger anxiety. And I don't want to make light of the things that you're dealing with. The things that you are are struggling with, that you worry about, that you're anxious about. Those those issues are real. Okay? That's not what we're here. We're not not here to say, I'm not here to say, hey, that's no big deal. No, that's not the point. 
The point is it's got to be put in its proper perspective. Okay, and that's my goal here with this message is to get those things that you worry about put in the proper perspective. That doesn't mean they're not serious. And that doesn't mean they don't need attention. And that doesn't mean that you may not have to work to solve them or that you really have to spend a lot of time in prayer over them. But there's one thing that's in common about all of those. They're all focused on the external, and they're all focused on how does it affect me. Me, myself, and I. That's the problem with most anxiety. In fact, the leading cause of anxiety and depression is too much focus on self. Very, very common when somebody enters into a state of depression, it's because they have their eyes focused on themselves. But the Word of God tells us to set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 in Colossians 3. And this is Paul writing to Christians. He says, If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so what I hope to do here in in these four verses of Colossians is to show you that you don't need to have anxiety. To show you how to overcome that worry in your heart. The way that Jesus told us to back in Luke. I want to give you some practical ways to do that. And in verse 1 right there it says, if you were raised with Christ. So this message today, this is for Christians. The message Paul, Paul wrote to Colossians was for Christians. And, and that, that message is, if, you're not, if you are a Christian, you should not be anxious. If you are not a Christian, then there's only one message for you. And to be completely honest, if you're not a Christian, you should be anxious. You should be worried. You should be fearful. Because there is a wrathful God that will punish sin. But you don't have to be. And so if you're not a Christian, there's only one message that can help you. And that is that you must be born again. That is, that you must cast your cares upon Christ, the one who has bore the payment for your sin, the one who has died on the cross, who has received the wrath of God on behalf of those who will believe in him. And so you would, the message is to repent and believe on Jesus. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Call out to him, the one who died, repent and believe the Lord Jesus. And then this message will apply to you as well. But for those who are born again, those who are in Christ, there is no reason to be anxious. There is no reason to be worried. He says, seek those things above. And look at this, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And then there is, there is a lot we could do. We could, we could discuss with that verse. I won't for the sake of time, and I'm not... That's not the the main point. But just the fact 
that we can seek Christ. Just the fact that we can seek the Father. The very fact that we know the one who is seated in heavenly places and can approach that throne of grace with boldness should ease our anxiety. If you can think about the throne room, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who can move mountains, the one who can make seas stand still, the one who can calm the storms, heal the blind, he's finished. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and we know him personally. This isn't a distant knowledge. This isn't an idea of God like some sort of religious thing, myth that's out there. No, this is the creator, the Lord of Lords, and we can talk to him. We know him. He has put his affection on you as a Christian and has declared, you are my son or you are my daughter. That should ease our anxiety. In fact, one very practical, real way that I can tell you to battle anxiety is from this verse, and that's through prayer. What would happen to your stress level if every time you had a worrisome thought, you trained your mind to take it directly to God in prayer? Would it not help? All the time you spend rolling these things over and over in your mind, all the time that I spend rolling these things over and over in my mind about worry, about what's going to happen next, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You create these situations in your mind that don't even exist. If I spent all that time in that thought praying to, to the Father, would it not alleviate a lot of the worry? Would it not remove a lot of the anxiety? What would happen to the way you viewed others, especially the difficult people in your life, if every time you started thinking about them, you started praying for them? Would it not change the way you think about people? Would it not change the way you act towards people? I know that I, there's times... When I pray for my students in the morning, and there's some students that are difficult, some of them extremely, and some of them not as much, all of them at some point, but I have learned that when I pray for them, and I have a list in my classroom, sometimes I'll just go over there and I'll just start going down the list and praying for each one, it is incredible That when I pray for the ones that have been extremely difficult and you're just thinking, I wish they weren't going to be here today. Maybe they'll be home. Maybe they won't be here, whatever. And when I'm praying for them, I find myself realizing all of a sudden their situation. Why are they difficult? It like comes that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. When we pray for somebody, when you're praying for somebody that you may be having a difficult time with, and you start realizing, you start seeing ways that maybe you can help them instead of begrudging them. Or you start seeing reasons why they may act the way they do. Prayer is of utmost importance when it comes to overcoming anxiety take it to god 
Take it to the Lord Jesus. Then verse 2, he says, Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. How do we do that? We can say that. Yeah, just, well, just set your mind on things above. But how, how do we actually do that? Well, to start with, when your mind starts wondering, when you're not engaged in a specific task or thought or whatever, and your mind will start wondering, you're driving down the road, you're going to think about something, it will usually go to the things that you spend the most time in. If you spend the most time watching football and you're driving around, then you're, you're probably going to, and your mind just kind of starts wandering, you're not really controlling, you're not really thinking specifically, then you'll probably start thinking about something to do with football. If you spend a lot of time playing video games, then you may start thinking about that. If you spend a lot of time hunting and fishing, and that's the, whatever it is that you spend your time in, your mind will tend to go there whenever it's not extremely busy, right? So a very practical way to set your mind on things above is to spend time in the Word of God. And this is why many have anxiety, right? Because they spend a lot of time watching and reading and thinking about problems, their problems, problems of the world. Have you ever talked to somebody that sits around and watches the news all the time? Have you ever found one that wasn't at least somewhat on a depression scale or negative-minded? It gets bad. And it's really sad with some of our elderly people that can't do a lot of things. And they get to watching the news all the time. And, I mean, they become jaded. They become negative. Well, that's because that's all you see. On the news, right? And then, so then when they aren't watching the news, but they're thinking about things, that's where their mind takes them. Much of our problem is because of that. Much of our problems are because we spend so much time in negative influences. Um, entertainment. A lot of the entertainment that we partake in will take our minds and it will, it will take it to a negative spot. So how do we set our mind on things above? Through God's Word. A consistent reading of God's Word will help you set your minds on things above. It will help you whenever you're thinking. If you have read, if you've been reading your Bible every day this week and you're driving down the road and your mind starts wondering, it will naturally take you to that. Something else that helps is the music you listen to. The things that you listen to on the radio or on podcasts and all of those Christian music, Christian sermons, podcasts, all of those are helpful to set your mind on things above. But remember that none of those replace the reading of God's Word. Those, in addition to the reading of God's Word, help you focus your mind on things above. The other thing that the Christian must learn, must learn to do, is to take every thought captive. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You have to learn to control your mind. Take your thoughts captive through prayer 
through the Word of God, and then with those two things, you can control your thought process. And whenever you start having negative thoughts, go to prayer. Think of the Word. Think on those things that are noble and just and pure. And I'll tell you this, too. The conversations that you entertain will affect you. Your friends will affect you. Who you are hanging out with will affect on whether or not you are thinking on the things above and not on things of the earth. And I don't care how strong a Christian you think you are. You will be brought down negatively by those people of the world. Now, that doesn't mean you isolate yourself and you don't have friends that aren't Christians and you don't try to engage with the culture and all of those things, but it does mean you have to regulate it. You need to limit it. If you have friends that are unbelievers, you don't spend more time with them than you do with Christians. You don't spend more time with them than you do your spouse. They will drag you down. You have to be the one that's leading. But that's how, that's how this works. It's, it's what your time investment will affect how you view the world. He says, meditate on those things. And then verse 3 says this, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's actually a mysterious verse. It's, and it, I could spend a lot of time explaining it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of cut to the chase here. And it, it's very simple. The old flesh is dead. If you're a born-again Christian, you are no longer that old dead man. You still have the body, the carcass, as Spurgeon said. You still have that. But your soul has been regenerated. It has been born again. The old flesh is gone. Colossians 2.10 says, You have been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You have passed from death unto life. When Adam took the fruit and ate and disobeyed God, at that moment he passed from life unto death. He was no longer eternal. When we partake in Christ, when we are born again, we have been born into a new life. We have passed from death unto life. That should be a huge key in overcoming worry. That should be a huge key in finding peace in Christ. You do not have to fear death. Matter of fact, you should not fear death. You do not have to fear pain. Now, does that mean we won't have pain? No. So why would you not fear it? Because it's temporary. It's extremely temporary. You do not have to fear the world falling apart around you. The man or the woman that had to fear those things has died and a new being has been born. And that new being is hidden with Christ and nothing on this earth can remove it from you. You're hidden in Christ. You're hidden in the Savior, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Anointed One. And whatever things that you're worrying about, I promise, whatever you're worrying about is temporary. And ultimately, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. 
in the grand scheme of the world, in, the, in, the, in God's economy, the things that you're worried about do not matter. In verse 4, he says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And I know there's a lot of views on eschatology. Eschatology, if you don't know, is the study of the end times. It's like I was talking with Brett, and he he had a conversation probably this week about Israel and and what's going to happen. What what does this mean that's going on in Israel? Is is this is this the end? The reality is I don't know when the end is. I don't think anybody does. There's a lot of ideas that everybody wants to go into the depths of those things and this and that. And those are good discussions to have to a point. But it's also possible to get bogged down in the unknown or the vague. But this I know. Christ is coming back. Every Christian that is of orthodox view at all that's not a heretic agrees on that. He will return. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but he will return. Just as Paul said right there. And he will appear physically and there will be no doubt who is in charge when he comes. And this we can look forward to. But this is the amazing part. This is the part that I think helps the Christian overcome worry, overcome anxiety. Paul says here to the Christians... When Jesus, when the Christ returns, you will appear with him in glory. Now think about the wonderful reality of that and meditate on that, on that return. When Christ comes back, you know... You can you can make a lot of pictures. You can you can you can look at a lot of word pictures with this. If you were if you were in charge and your dad left and he left you in charge of a company, let's say, or what, whatever it is, and a lot of the people are treating you bad while he's gone, when you're trying to do what's right, things aren't going your way, but you know he's coming back. You can stand solid on the company. You can stand solid on what the Father built, right? And when He comes back, you don't have to worry. You don't worry about what the employees, what the help says, right? You're standing on the promises of your dad that built the company, and when He returns, He will set it right, and He will. That's all that matters. Pleasing the Father is all that matters, and that's where we are here as Christians. The world is falling apart around us. There's no doubt, politically, morally. I mean, things are crazy. But all that really matters for us, we can't expect the world to, to understand. We can't expect unbelievers to fall in line. But all that really matters to us is, are we pleasing the Father? Because when He comes back, when He returns, or when He sends the Son to return... That's, that's all that's going to matter, is have we pleased Him? And, this, and what Paul says is, when Jesus returns, we will be seen with Him in glory. 
the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, the one who has all control, the one who has declared the ending from the beginning, the one who has all life in the palm of his hand, he comes back and he says, O daughter of mine, or O son of mine, you are with me in glory. What it looks like, I don't know exactly, but I know this, that's where you want to be. And if that's the case, if you're coming back with Christ in glory, when he comes, if we're still alive, we will be seen with him in glory. And he's going to set things right, and you're going to be seated at the right hand of the Son. You're going to be on his side, right? And if that is true, which it is, then that should drive us to praise him. The wonderful, the wonderful reality of all of that, of our position with Christ, should remove anxiety. We should, that should fall away and we should focus on Him and it should drive us to praise Him. It should remind us to thank Him. And most importantly, it should cause us to trust Him. And so as you look at the whole circle of this, the ultimate cause of anxiety, the ultimate cause of worry and fear is the lack of trust. It's the lack of trusting in Christ. And so I encourage each of you to meditate on this, to go to God's Word, and focus your mind on that. Focus your mind on Him, and spend the time in prayer seeking Him in that focus. And before I close, I do want to mention one other thing as far as anxiety goes, because there are some medical Conditions that can cause certain things. And so that's always something like with anxiety as far as um, like your heart racing and, and actual physical problems. There's some things that you need to consider and actual physical things to do as well. One of them is caffeine. An abundance of caffeine can actually cause anxiety. Like so that might be a place to start. Slow down on the caffeine. Another thing, I, and I could not get out of here. Uh, Paul would rebuke me if I didn't mention magnesium. So, but in, in, in reality, if you don't know, Paul was having some, it was anxiety like mimicking heart attacks. And it turns out through di- digging in the deep, dark web, he found um, many people are deficient in magnesium. And since he started taking it, those problems subsided and maybe not just magnesium but other minerals and and uh, vitamins and things like that having a healthy diet and healthy lifestyle as far as physical symptoms but most of the time what we're talking about is in the mind the battle is in the mind and uh, and our thought process and our prayer life and and the word of god is the solution and christ of course is the solution so let's pray Father, I thank you again for your amazing grace, your, your, your love for us, and your continued love for us even though we show disbelief, even though we show times when we don't trust you like we should. And I pray that you would teach us to trust, to trust you better, that you would teach us to trust on the promises you've given us in Scripture you would help us by the power of your spirit to meditate on scripture and to meditate on you and on your son and the work that he did. And in his name I pray. Amen.